Welcome, oh listener, to another episode of Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug. This is episode 157 of the podcast. And to be honest, I don't know if it will be the last episode that follows this format, if uh, there will be something different that follows after it. I'm really not sure. The podcast is in kind of a state of flux for a few different reasons. I mean, one, I haven't published anything since May, if memory serves. And in fact, this recording was from May. What you're going to hear tonight, the discussion tonight, was recorded in May. So some of the stuff's going to be a little bit out of date, which... Oh well, it is what it is. I just have been so consumed by work and other circumstances that I've not had a time at all to schedule podcast recordings, to do anything, really. It's been insane. So I apologize for the gap, and we'll see. I mean, I'm not done podcasting yet by a long shot, even though I do have to get both this and the other podcast back off the ground and out of an extended hiatus that I had never really wanted to take, never intended to take wound up taking anyways so we'll see regardless interesting discussion ahead um sort of following on from the high that was episode 156 this one is much more muted kind of down tempo but still we get into some discussion about a few different games uh and a few different movies too chip and dale its inspirations in roger rabbit Ah, it, it, like, it was a lower-key conversation, but it was still pretty darn fun. Uh, we had a good time of it, and there were quite a few people in on the call, so that was awesome. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank our Patreon backers. Thank you to everyone who supports Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug, as well as the Ultima Codex, by that means. And as always, a hearty thank you to our co-producers, Seth, Golden Flame, Dominic, Violation, Helga Kronk, Pascal, and Thorwan. Oh, and Winfield. How could I forget Winfield? So... With that in mind, let me get out of the way, and let's dive into the podcast. And have you watched the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie, the new one? No, I haven't. I've, I've seen some memes starting to crop up around it, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> they used the ugly Sonic as a joke. And uh-huh. they actually made... Oh, it's dear. not just a Camille. It's, they made, uh, I think it's three separate scenes where he appears. So he's he's a minor character. Not, not just a quick single scene Camille. Nice. Like when they can riff Not the on. crossover I would have expected there. Yeah, well, you know, it's more original than um, <laughs> oh, shoot, what just got announced. What just got announced as something just got announced recently as a remake. Uh, well, this is a rescue remake. What is it these days? Well, that yeah, what, but this one was like, wow, creativity is dead. Yeah, in this this movie, what it what it uh, presents is. The idea that the cartoon characters are actors, and so the plot is treated that way. They are actors, and they had a job at the at the children television programs, mm. and now it's been many years. And they they no longer work on that, and they uh, Chip is uh, an insurance salesman. <laughs> and that kind of stuff and 
Why is it always insurance salesman? And, or I don't know how it's called, an insurance agent? Someone who sells insurance and... No, it just feels like that's always the, that's always the thing for washed up actors or superheroes or whatever in the movies. Yeah. And I'm an insurance agent now. And Ugly Sonic is an actor who had a promising career, but he lost the uh, he lost his job um, because of uh, so because uh, people didn't like something about his physical traits and that uh, <laughs> the people didn't like him and he lost his his place at the movie he was working on and now he's uh he's there trying to capitalize on on the fame he got before he was fired <laughs> he's an actor trying to get another jig and try to launch his career well now okay i may be misremembering it although i did watch it not too long ago but i think the whole conceit of like you know cartoon characters having like basically that was their job um that was roger rabbit wasn't it there's a lot of comparisons to yeah. Roger Rabbit, yeah. I've been hearing. Well, especially because it is like another live-action cartoon mix. In, actually, there's this Roger Rabbit appears in the movie. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, it's too bad Bob Hoskins passed away. Uh, yeah, man, I was watching that movie recently. Not too recently, I guess now. Probably been a year, now that I think about it, but... <laughs> well, I mean, come on, the last two years don't even count. In the grand scheme of things, that's still quote-unquote recently. Yeah, for me it is. You know how many movies I've watched? Not <laughs> a lot. Time is relative anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. Especially lately. Oof. Yeah. Don't even. Ugh. Mm. <laughs> ugh. I wish I was more animated. Today was just kind of a. So. I. I yeah. I think I was on last episode a little bit about like the, the work stance and the ever diminishing size of my team. And, uh, maybe I shouldn't have talked about that because the Tuesday before I put the episode live, um, we lost someone else. Oh, good grief. So we're down to four and, uh, Yeah. And I mean, by this the time is turning this episode, into an Agatha Christie novel, uh, and I mean, by the time this episode goes out, like he'll the the announcement will have been made public. So I guess I can kind of let slip. I won't I won't mention names or anything like that. But it was my supervisor this time that actually pulled the trigger and uh, oh boy resigned. Um, so and I mean, like the opportunity that he landed is a really good one. Like it, it's one of those situations where it's like, oh, yeah, you would be a fool not to take that opportunity. Um, especially if you want to work in the industry that we are in. So, you know, no fault to him. And I totally understand too, like, you know, just the, the last couple of years have not been easy. And especially as the team has shrunk and the customer base has not like that's, there have been many, many challenges and frustrations there. So on a lot of levels, I totally understand it. Um, but you know, still like, uh, <laughs> there's almost, uh, Teams getting awfully thin on the ground, and it's literally a case of where. On, on the one hand, this could be an advancement opportunity. I might wind up stepping into his role. I'm not sure yet; that hasn't been confirmed. Um, and if it is, awesome opportunity to rebuild. But at the same time, it's like the thing that made this team special was the fact that you know it. 
you know, it was one of those situations where it did not just feel like people I work with, you know, I left for a while and I was always, always hurting to come back. And so I was really gr- grateful for the opportunity to come back. And now almost the entire team, the original team, the one that I missed is gone. Right. <laughs> um, it's like the, uh, it's like, you know, the fable about the boat, right? You've replaced every single board of it. Is it still the same boat? Is it still the same boat? <laughs> I don't know. So, um, but yeah, it's been kind of a wonky week on that front. And it's like, oh, you know, I should, and of course, like he's announcing this and I'm editing the episode, finishing it up the next night. And I'm like, oh, geez, I talked about this and it was a problem. And now it's even more of a problem and oh, darn it. So who knows? I could be a phenomenally busy guy in the near future. (laughs) Not that I am not already. Interesting times are a coming. Yeah. Yeah, because the last two years have just been boring. <laughs> uh, but, oh, well, can only move ahead. That's uh, just how that is. I mean, so, some things I can look back for. Like, for example, you know, I can click on over to the Nintendo Switch right now and uh, enjoy the fact that Reckoning is available on the Switch. I'm quite a big fan <laughs> of that. Re-Reckoning. Yes, it is Re-Reckoning. Actually. I still can't get over that name. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I think we've talked about that one too. It's like, okay, that's kind of hokey. I can't uh, decide if it's goofy or brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it plays awesome. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it's actually really quite a good game on the Switch. Sometimes the, the area loads can be a little long, but uh, it is still the same Reckoning I know and love. Still with that bumpy, grindy combat. And I don't know, it's weird, like going through the Switch eShop and it's like, hey, look at all these games that are, you know, from years ago that I have tried and never finished or barely even tried. Like uh, last night while I was watching the Oilers um, come surging back, I got into Transistor, which is by Supergiant Games. It was released. Oh, yeah. So like they did Bastion was their first one and that was 2012-ish. I think Transistor was 2014 or 2015. Um, that's Greg Cassavin's studio, uh, Ultima Dragon himself. Can't remember his dragon name. He used to work for GameSpot too. But and ah. then, yeah, and they've gone on to release Pyre and one other. And I can't think what the other Hades. one is. Just left up. Hades, that's right. Hades. Yeah. They're, so, they're one of those studios that a lot of their games don't really click with me personally, mm. but I'm so glad they exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they're doing yeah. so, they do so many interesting things. They're, I mean, at least my experience of, well, Bastion and um, Transistor now is like, they love the narration, right? Everything is yes. narrated. And it's, but it's in-world narration, right? It's not like, you know... Um, someone's observing me from afar it's in world narration it's it's really quite and transistor just nails it you know because it's literally the massive ass sword that you were hauling around with you that's narrating everything as you go. <laughs> um but yeah that was uh so far it's been a fascinating game the combat system's kind of interesting too because it's sort of this mix of real time and turn-based um i mean if you try in real time it you're gonna die uh, you, you, it, it forces you to turn base. Um, but you can do little, like once, once you've finished off the big enemies, you know, you can clean up some of the little enemies with just some real time strikes, but the, the, 
the main part of combat needs to be handled with turn-based and just sort of figuring out <clears throat> tactics and strategy and how to move around the battlefield and what powers to use. And it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far, but you know, it's one of those yeah, things where like, I, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty much the, one of their games that I haven't actually tried yet. So I may have to do something about that one of these days. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I picked it up on a whim years ago and I just never really, I think I tried it once for a little bit and it didn't click at the time, but then like just sitting with it last night and it's like, Hey, this is a, this is a thing. I could, I could, I could play this. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it takes more than one go at it before it clicks. Yep. Hey, Clorthos. How you doing? Greetings. Hello. Hello. We were just talking about Transistor. I was, uh, commenting on the fact that it's available on the uh, switch and so i was playing it last night while i was watching the hockey game um not that i have any particular investment in hockey but my kids are always curious as to how the oilers are doing this week i mean and you are canadian yeah yeah but yeah i don't know i used to be big on hockey um my family used to watch it all the time and then i don't know kind of after i finished university i didn't really pay attention as much but then the oilers kind of started sucking from about 2006 (laughs) it was terrible um, there used to be until a few years ago, there was a joke that I could tell, which was, you know, um, Twitter was invented in 2007, which means that no Edmonton fan has ever tweeted about their team being in the playoffs. <laughs> so that, that joke expired a few years ago. They made the playoffs uh, a few times, but you know, in the uh, list of jokes that most Americans do not get. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I, well, I'm sure you could apply it to, any number of teams uh, in the U.S. because not everybody oh, yeah. has made the playoffs. You know, you, I'd have to look it up. Like, I literally don't know standings at all, so I couldn't tell you the histories of a lot of teams, but I, I'm sure there's a couple of U.S. teams that you might even still be able to say that about. Maybe. I don't know. But my kids are curious about how they're doing. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I'll watch the game and turn on the Nintendo. And then every time, you know, I've got the volume, like just barely up enough that I can hear it because of course everybody's sleeping. And it's like, every time, you know, you hear scores and it's like, okay, I'll look up from what I'm doing and pay attention to the other game. But but see, the problem with that strategy is you look up just after the important moment. Instant replays exist. Oh, that's true. And these days you can go to Sportsnet on YouTube and you can watch the, the, the replay, like as much as you need to. I've Which never was, heard of Transistor. I'm I'm looking it up now. Yeah, so we were t- it's it's by Supergiant. Supergiant? Supergiant Games. Yeah, they made uh, Bastion, Supergiant. which I've tried Bastion. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten like super into Bastion though. Mm. Um and yeah, we we're just mentioning like Greg Cassavin. I think that's how you say his last name. Um one of the lead guys at Supergiant. Um apparently an Ultima Dragon, worked at GameSpot. So the more you know. You know what game I wish would come to Switch? Um Stories, The Path of Destinies. Oh, that would be fun. Yes. That's uh I've never finished that one, but oh, that would just be awesome on Switch. That's uh, Yeah, that's that's that game is a good time. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it's it's another one of those games where I mean, okay, the 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 art design is delightful, you know, sort of that cartoony style. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, the worlds are delightfully rendered. They're they're just beautifully realized. Um, but I love, you know, how you just keep coming to one decision point after another. And, you know, like it's very much, you know, very branching decision tree, but it like 
it really, it's one of those games that it does actually make me agonize a little bit about the decisions I make, right? It's like, oh, do I want to go this way or that way? Do I want to, you know, this, but then this is the result or that, but then that is the result. And it's, you know, it, it's, uh, don't get me wrong. I love games like Mass Effect, but I've never found anything in Mass Effect really to be, you know, a, okay, I need to put the controller down and think about this for a few minutes style of moral quandary. Um, but games like stories, you know, it's like, oh, right. Okay. Hang on. Time to stop and think. Uh, <laughs> so it's, and it's about... also one that's very well suited for, for, well, let's go back and see what happened, would, would happen the other way. It's, it's practically mm. necessary in that game at some point. Yep. I thought you were talking about Yoda stories for a second. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I had Yoda stories back in the day. I never Jeez, had I, I never had indie stories. I, I always wanted that one. But then I finally played it one day. I was like, I this is this is just about the same thing. Star Wars Yoda stories. Oh, for Game Boy Color, okay. <clears throat> oh, was that on Game Boy Color? Well, hang on, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia right the now. One I, the one I played was on Windows. The the tagline was like Oh, it was infinite, released for Windows and then it Infinite Adventures. Game Boy Color. Yeah. Which really just meant here's a few different quests that You'll just repeat forever. Right. Closest that Star Wars ever got to a point-and-click adventure game. Which is really a shame. You can imagine the art style of the dig. You know, a Star Wars game with that kind of art style. In oh, like the height, the height of LucasArts adventure game making. Oh, that'd be lovely. Mind you, I'd have just as soon taken the Ultima 6 engine Star Wars game. So... Oh yeah, either or. <laughs> yeah, I'm not picky, really. I will say though, like the the some of the cutscenes from um, Martian Dreams, I kind of imagine I'm like, oh, it's probably how an Ultima adventure game would look like. Mm, yep, I uh, actually that you know, and I think I've mentioned this one before, but you know, the the one genre I'm kind of, I think that you know, if this you know, every Ultima fan is gonna, there's gonna be a pitchforks and torches outside my door, I'm sure. Um, but I would actually like to see an Ultima like RTS. Oh, uh, that would oh, be no, like a proper one, like a no, story no, driven, yeah. a story driven RTS, like set right in the heart of like the Britannian unification. You know, you could even call it like Ooh. you can even call it like Ultima, the Bloody Plains, or something like that, right? Um, yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. Marketing, marketing would like would want something more generic, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, in my head, I'm like, ah, oh, that is a game that I would like to explore, right? Um, especially if it was like, you know, <laughs> story-driven like a Command and Conquer, right? No, no, Kenneth, Kenneth, we had we had Lord of Ultima. I mean, that was all we would ever need for that, right? <laughs> I'd still rather have a Heroes of Might and Magic style. Okay, I could see you on that. There is I mean, actually, I've, I've seen a, a um, Ultima-themed mod for Civilization Four before. Yeah, I have. I haven't that. actually tried it out, but I've seen that. I, I mean, I think on the Codex there is a later Heroes of Might and Magic, maybe six. I'm not sure. There's a there is a Heroes of Might and Magic Britannia map. Um, I mean, geez, I made one back in the day, right? Like when I yep, did, so did I. there was a scenario editor. It's like, oh well, of course, who am I? I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I made one for for uh, Hom three. I just never mm. quite finished it. Yeah, mine was HOM 2 or HOM 3. I can't remember. Whatever my buddy had, basically. 
And it was Songs good of, because, you know. Songs of Conquest has an editor, I think. Oh. Because mm, I have so much time for that. Where's the mysterious coin to rub when you need one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my kids have a replica time turner. I've tried. It is not the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was, but yeah. So yeah, I, uh, I don't even know if, um, Spearhead Games out of Montreal, I think are the ones who did stories, the path of destinies. And then they followed it up with another one. And again, the title eludes me, um, but same omen, omen site, maybe I never finished that one, but omen site. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it very similar in terms of design storylines a little bit, woohoo, but uh, <laughs> a little bit wackier stories had a more conventional storyline. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't even know if Spearhead still, I mean, all their stuff is still up Twitter and their website and all that stuff, but I don't know if they're still active or what the deal is. I've been waiting for news of their quote project, Witchstone, unquote forever. Um, because it kind of popped up on the radar as having some Ultima ish elements to it. Um, but it's, you know, it's been Kickstarter coming soon for quite a while now. Uh, I think it might say Kickstarter coming in 2021, which, well, anyways, um, has come and gone. Yeah. So I don't know. At least I think it has. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's currently March. 744th, 2022, uh, 20, whatever. Uh, um, not to jarringly change the subject, but I just pleasantly noticed that I now have the outward definitive edition. Oh, I didn't know. uh, Well, I knew there was something coming out like that, but I didn't know. I was like, is this going to be like a repackaged, like full DLC thing that I won't get, but it looks like I got it. You were a big fan of that one. That's the survival game, right? The survival RPG? Yeah, I, I really like it. I, I've, I've spent a lot more time with it since the last times we uh, recorded with it. And um, I still would say I'm not an expert at it. I'm I'm pretty bad at it. But um, And I've put it down for like, it, it's interesting. Like I've put it down for like weeks on end. It's not one that I've necessarily said, oh, well, I need to, I need to play this all the time. But it seems like every time I pick it up, it's a little bit better. So that's kind of cool. Nice. Well, now you get the definitive edition, so you can check out what they. Uh, <laughs> what they yeah, I mean, I was I was upon. just scrolling around. I was like, "What should I? What should I play?" And then I was like, "Oh, so I'm I'm about to fire that up." Nice. So hopefully, it's more than just a, a straight up retexture. I don't know. I think the. I don't know when the new content for Reckoning, Re-Reckoning, is coming to Switch, if it's coming to Switch. I should really look into that. Because I think it may have come out already. Demord, if you're listening and I'm getting that wrong, I apologize. But uh, <laughs> What was your opinion of Re-Reckoning? Because I heard a lot of like complaints about it. I mean, I'm playing it. I was talking earlier about playing got it on it. the Switch. Yeah, I've got it. So, like, I mean, I've played it and everything. I like it fine it's it's, it's just reckoning. not like it's not very different from what it originally was so mm. maybe that's the big problem people have it's like i was expecting a new land or something well i thought i mean there is some additional dlc that's supposed to be coming for it or maybe it's already come out uh i'm not entirely sure actually i should probably look that up because yeah there's the fate sworn dlc okay fate sworn came out on um december 16th that's right i forgot about that okay so that is out uh, apparently, 
but I don't know for everything or just specific platforms. Did it come out for everything at once? No, uh, actually, I'm just looking this up now because, of course, you know, I want to check it out. Um, So most platforms would have got it in late 2021. Um, Switch version is still pending. Ah, that explains it. Right. So, but yeah, no, that was kind of a, and that gives me some hope for, you know, the future of that IP. I mean, I don't know how well Re-Reckoning sold. I don't know how well Fate Sworn sold. But just the fact that they were able to have access to sufficient tooling to produce new content <laughs> and uh, <laughs> add it to the game, that's not nothing. Heartening. And yeah, so they could do more. Um, I don't know. I, the major critique I remember seeing of Re-Reckoning, I don't remember if this was at Forbes or whatever else, but was just that it was... Uh, you know, here we are in 2021 and this plays like a 2011 game, which I think mainly, you know, meant that, you know, there's, I mean, I guess, you know, by comparison to something like, say, a Genshin Impact or Breath of the Wild, there is a bit of jank in the controls. Um, but I guess if you've already played the game, you're already parsing that out in your brain as you're playing it. I don't particularly find it <laughs> janky. I mean... The one, the one thing they did do was, I think they tweaked the camera a little bit because I notice it gets, it still occasionally wanders where it shouldn't during combat because, of course, it's trying to focus on as many enemies as it can so you can plan your movements around the battlefield. Um, but it gets stuck in a unhelpful position far less than I remember. So at least there's that. But uh, yeah, otherwise, it's still just reckoning. And there's nothing wrong with that. That was a great yeah. game through and through. So. <laughs> the, main, the main complaint that I remember seeing, I think, when Re-Reckoning came out, which was not long after I had finished Reckoning, and so I said, okay, I'm not doing this again right now, but <laughs> but, but I have played the base game. But uh, I, I think I thought I remember seeing an, a complaints that basically were like, I kind of expected better like uh revamps of the graphics like people people expected people expected re-reckoning to basically fundamentally include more like high def texture packs and such and it didn't meet people's expectations on that that's what i vaguely remember seeing a couple of complaints about i could see that because it does look and feel much like the old game did um and again nothing wrong with that actually you know (laughs) It it looks perfectly at home on the Switch, right? Uh, and and granted, I mean that is a bit of a, I guess that's a bit of a backhanded comment on the way that you know because the Switch is not um, the Switch is not you know crazy powerful hardware. Um, it's an Nvidia Tegra, it's an ARM chipset essentially, right? You're not dealing with you know the latest and greatest uh, Xbox or PS5, which are you know built for high-end graphics. The Switch is much more modest in terms of its processing and graphical capabilities. But in light of that, you know, you play something like Reckoning on it and you're like, oh, this feels, you know, it <laughs> it's comparable to just about anything else that's available on the platform. It looks just totally fine. Um, and again, you know, the, yeah, the controls, I mean, there's definitely been some refinements to the control. But, you know, I, I had to laugh because I remember reading some of those reviews about how the game, you know, is a very 2011 game and it's a little jankier with the control scheme and it's a little bit more punishing and it, you know, doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't hold your hand and it's, you know, there are areas of the game that don't scale to your level. And like, 
Oh, geez. I, we regret to inform you that Gen oh, Y has dis- yeah. We regret to inform you that Gen Y has discovered the complaints that the millennials were making and Gen X before them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it more comes down to just as a remastered re-release. Not much was remastered, so it's like if you already mm. own it, why would you like that? That re-reckoning was then released on further platforms is great, but if you've already yeah. got it then, you know, a lot of games come out with a remaster version. And even if you already had the original, you'll be like, okay, I'm going to get that because I want the improvements for this. There just weren't very many improvements. That's true. Um, then again, too, I think, I mean, I already owned Reckoning on two or three different platforms. So I got re-Reckoning for free. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, maybe, and maybe that was an acknowledgement of the fact that it wasn't so much of a total overhaul as just sort of, you know, incremental improvements. Yeah, um, and I don't remember what the that. like the marketing was at the time. Like I don't know if they made claims that they didn't back up. I just remember that that was what people whether or not it was justified were saying at the time. Yeah, I'd have to look back on it. I mean, I take it as, you know, I I, <laughs> I treat that as commentary that you know, there wasn't really a lot that needed to be improved on in the game in the first place. Um I thought it was fine. I played it just like 2 years game. ago. It was fine. Yeah, maybe maybe the most of it was just sort of like future proofing getting it away from the whole like uh windows live games now or whatever they were doing back then mm-hmm. um anyway hey i, can uh, see. I was going to mention uh i'm streaming outward to you guys and if you look at it you can see i've just found another place where it's like again some severe ultima 9 influence in giant creepy heads staring at you hey hey like you have multiple guardians there all the guardians but their faces are not sufficiently muppet like no but it's all like <laughs> very artistically done it looks very nice i like the art direction the art direction of this game is like really really nice it's not very approachable but it's a very good game yeah well survival games are always kind of hit and miss you know like my kids love playing minecraft on survival mode and i'm just like well you are stronger gamers than i because i <laughs> can't even uh just, any of the even yeah i have i have no evening to offer you survival game i'll play even game. more giant faces gianter faces outside gianter faces oh more gianter faces very strong batian of you those are giant faces <laughs> oh, good grief. and hands they're like reaching out for you and they're awesome Super creepy. I mean, it's a gorgeous enough game. It it looks quite good. It it really, again, not to harp too much, but it's in Unity. It's a small team, and uh, you know that's about all I'll say. I mean, it's it's a it's a rehash of what we've already said about other games that were made by people that are touting NFTs now. Wait, wait a minute. This can't be a small team Unity game. It doesn't look nearly generic enough. Like they just bought some assets from the asset store and slapped them together. I believe they made their own. Yeah, they made their own assets and and their own UI, apparently. Oh, where's the terrible UI elements? Where's the plasticky looking faces? I shouldn't be so cruel, but. Well, I should say the characters don't look that, you know, amazing. But again, you know, I mean. We've seen multiple Unity games come out now. And I mean, I think that if you definitely want, you know, to have 
the the high fidelity realism it is not the engine for that um which doesn't surprise because like i first became aware of unity when it was primarily an engine for mobile titles right that's kind of where it started so i don't think yeah like you know if you want the the high fidelity stuff get unreal like just get unreal okay <laughs> but on the flip side you can do some amazing stuff with unity right genshin impact utterly awesome game love the art style right built on unity so yeah this is the crazy thing again i have no idea what i was doing the last time i played this i have no idea where i am on this map and i have to use the locations and the the land around me to figure that out i think this is where i am because it says face of the ancients that makes sense that that's i mean there are giant faces there there are giant faces out there <laughs> with their what awesome do you want list. for a buck yeah <laughs> the the cheap do you have anything for this game location pinpointed? no i didn't notice the location arrow on that map which i mean no, again I mean, like if you wanted to go for sort of the high fidelity them? like there is okay no i think that's just an icon like i see the icon kind of off no, to the other side like, there that's got circles around it and then there's the blue dot there but I the think, blue dot is a city yeah that's berg and i i, I need to go there to join one of the factions so I, I'm remembering now that like it becomes a little bit like Gothic. So you can decide mm. like there there are three people in your starting town. They end up in different locations after you do a few quests, and you choose which of those that you're going to try to go along with. And I think I've decided to go with oh, what was the name of the group? Um, go go with the Beatles. That's that's that was the name of the group. Um, ah. <laughs> but no. Uh, there's one guy that was like, I'm going to go off to the um, the desert lands where I can just do my thing. Another girl was like, I'm going to go join the priests. And this other lady, the, the leader of the of the town, was like, I'm going out to the in, in Marker Forest. And so join me out there. And I think I'm going to try to go that route. Well, I mean, like, you know, I guess if you wanted to make a survival game, uh, having a setup where... You know, the map did not clearly indicate where you were um, and you had to rely on, you know, identifying your location from the terrain and from points of interest around you. I mean, that's that's kind of how it goes in real life, you know, at least in my experience of working off of a map, because sometimes I do go places where Google isn't. <laughs> And I still teach the scouts how to survive without uh, the Maps app on their electronic devices. Speaking of Strong Bad, have you seen the, um, it's been in the past six months, he did a, a friendlyware thing where like he did like an old DOS friendlyware application and he was like going through it and playing all these like super weird slash broken games. Ah, I didn't see that one. I saw the latest, like, full-on Zbmail about uh, parenting, but... Yeah, you should just look up their, their video on Friendlyware. He actually, mm. like, ends up coding stuff into one of the games to make it better, and nice. he codes his own... Quote-unquote, better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He puts, like, him in the cheat on the battleship in the game. Nice. <clears throat> I will have to look that up. I gotta introduce my kids to Strong Bad. Occasionally, my wife and I will make, um, because of course my eldest is herself a teenager now and has started hanging out with friends, so occasionally my wife and I will make uh, 
Teen Girl Squad jokes. Oh my god. <laughs> and then she'll be like, What are you even talking about? Instead, like, you look burnt or dead. <laughs> hey girls, let's go for some pan Asian cuisine. <laughs> ah, my stomach lighting. MSG'd. <laughs> Such random humor, but very emblematic, I think, of you know where the internet was in early 2000s. I think generally they've managed to stay pretty relevant. I don't know. At one point, I felt like they had jumped off the shark or jumped the shark, excuse me. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes, like, when something's different. Did they jump like the it. shark or did they jump the bear holding the shark? Ah. I mean, one's better than the other. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, they, they definitely had some that were like, okay, that one was a bit of a dud, but then I don't know, like it's, they, they always seem to find a way to like come back, you know, there's like, oh, okay. The next one was, oh, that one, okay. That one was funny. Okay. Maybe, maybe we're all right. Maybe, maybe that was just a fluke. Do you uh, think you know? the, I think the high point was when he had the Compi 386. Mm. Um, and then I think that, I think the best videos are from that era, but, uh, it's the Compi eh? and you can't stop me. <laughs> Can you tell I watched those so too many times? Well, what else were you going to do in high school and college? Yeah, what else was I going to do when I was sitting in the computer engineering club with exams on the horizon? I am possessed for 104 more seconds. Decay damage and resistance plus 20%. Uh, I love the physics engine in Reckoning. (laughs) I just... just Uh, What did you do? I just got into a battle with an Etten, two Ettens, actually, and one of them died in contact with me. And so for the next 10 to 15 seconds, um, my every move was dragging his corpse around. <laughs> kind of a twitchy sort of way. It was, uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's disturbing and kind of hilarious. It gets funnier later on in the game because, of course, the, the uh, amount of... Mm, the amount of recoil that enemies demonstrate to being hit uh, is directly indexed to um, the amount of damage you do. Uh, and specifically, so like basically the amount of rebound, like the, the amount of how, how far a dude gets thrown when you kill him uh, is directly indexed to how much extra damage you do past what it takes to reduce his hit points to zero, essentially. So towards the end of the game, uh, as you're able to craft yourself some really, truly ridiculously overpowered weapons, um, there's been more than, there were more than a few times where it's, you know, I'd finish off some low level enemy and he would literally just get catapulted like across the map. And then I'd be walking like, you know, walking through the area like half an hour later and be just like, Hey, what's this random loot lying here? I didn't kill anybody here. (laughs) Sounds like the physics from Gothic three. Havoc, I mean, Havoc is a great mm-hmm. physics engine. Well, no, let me back that up. Havoc is <laughs> a ubiquitous physics engine, but it has its quirks. So it's funny when you kill, um, I think they're goblins. I can't remember what they're called in Gothic 3, but they just become like super rubbery and stretchy. Like it's, they become like a stretch Armstrong and just fall down onto the ground, tumble and nice. roll. Nice. Ugh. But uh, I'm trying to think. I never got that far into Gothic 3 or Risen 3. I don't know. Piranha Bytes games are one of those things where it's like, I like the concept of them, 
It's sort of like you were talking about earlier. No, I don't know if I could really world, right? <clears throat> and Mass Effect does this too. Um, heavily, heavily narrative games, but all of the exposition is in world, right? Whether that's through the characters or through the codex or whatever, right? Everything is in world and it's just, it's all well told. And maybe that's, maybe it is an Eastern Western thing because like one thing I noticed with Eastern games that aren't the Witcher um, is they might have good stories, but how they go about telling the stories is a bit hokey sometimes I find. And I find this a lot with Piranha Bytes games. I want to like them more than I do. The gameplay is great. The action is solid. But the minute I have to get into a dialogue with somebody, I'm just like, oh, okay, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think I've I think I've said for a while that like the Gotha games are like B movies to me. It's like mm. you're you're not there to be told an amazing story in an amazing way. Like it's it's the anti Elder Scrolls as far as that's concerned. Mm. Um, but the reason I love them so much is basically the gameplay and. You know, all the little things that, you know, are just fun about the world, you know, to take to, uh, you know, the way, I mean, again, we've talked about it to death, but like, just the fact that if you go run up to somebody and brandish your sword, they don't like that. And they're going to brandish their sword and say, hey, put that away. Uh, you wander into someone's house uninvited and they're like, hey, get out of here. No, I mean, really, get out of there. Get out of here. After If you don't do anything, they're, they're going to pull out their weapon. Um, yep. You know, little things like that that, again, I know that more or less are in more games nowadays. I think Skyrim had some, you know, a good bit of that. Uh, but it just is not, just wasn't done in the same way. So, I mean, to me, like a lot of the gameplay stuff and also the game cycle of Gothic is one of the most satisfying things going out and being killed by a very basic enemy and then say, well, wow, I better stay away from that area for a while. But then you level up over time, you get better equipment, better equipment. And then you go back and you're able to, you know, go further in the game than you were before. Uh, again, See, sort of the anti elder scrolls there. Yeah. See, and you like the survival elements, so I can totally see the appeal there. Um, because in, in a way that is, an iteration on the survival mechanic or kind of on the roguelike mechanic too, right? You know, you go in, get killed, come back better. Um, that kind of thing, which ah, just never resonated with me. Um, but like, if I think about all the games that, you know, have really stood out over the years for me, it's the ones that have been really narratively strong and where the story has been told in a very engaging way. And that could be anything that could be, you know, transistor, the current enjoyment, um, reckoning. I mean, for as much as I love the art design of reckoning and the gameplay mechanics and how kinetic the combat is, um, I don't know if the game would hold that much water for me if it didn't have a well-told story. And I know I've said this before in like reviews of the game, right? The first half of the main plot actually kind of drags and I usually avoid it. Whereas I'll just do side quest after side quest after side quest, because like, especially with the Fey houses, there's a lot of absolutely wonderful storytelling content in there. And then towards the second half of the game, the main plot kind of takes over and it's just like, ah, cool. Yeah, this is awesome now. Um, but again, still engagingly well-told story, the longest journey, Halo, Marathon, Ultima, um, you know, Haven, another one that I've enjoyed recently. Um, 
all games that, you know, just, you know, mechanically very strong, but narratively incredibly strong. And I guess I just kind of, I, two out of three ain't bad, but it just doesn't quite get me over the hump of, yeah, okay, I'll play this to the end with the Piranha Bytes games. Mechanically very strong, you know, like they're just awesome games mechanically. The art design is beautiful, but the minute I have to talk to an NPC, I'm just like, ah, I remember. You mentioned Longest Journey. Uh, Dreamfall has been on my to get around list for a while. Yes. Mine too. Yeah. I I played Longest Journey. TLJ was good. The sequel was pretty good. Um, Ending was weird. Um, And then Dreamfall. I think I backed that one on Kickstarter now that I think about it. Haven't finished it, but um, the parts that I have played, I have enjoyed immensely. It's been a long time since I played The Longest Journey in the first place. Mm. I may have to give that one a replay. Yep. At some point, I'll introduce my kids to it, but unfortunately, there's no language filter. I mean, definitely tastes go into it. Like, my my dad is definitely more into the uh, World of Tanks type stuff and the Mm. strategy games. And I have another friend from high school who is, like, deep into, like... (laughs) <laughs> what I consider to be like the super complicated strategy game. Like you, uh, I think he really likes Europa Universalis and oh yeah, the paradox like games. Like, you yeah. load it up and it's like a, a spreadsheet, and I'm just like, ah, what do I do? Uh, oh huh. yeah, I get a good hankering hankering for a strategy game every now and again. Like well, yeah. lately, but but uh, paradox is just a little bit too much for me. Although uh, on that. I got it just because you mentioned Excel. Um, there was, uh, I guess, like at a, I think it was like a Microsoft conference recently. Um, they announced an API to connect EVE Online directly with Excel. Oh, I saw that! Like, and there were, before, and, and, okay, so to be fair, there were already third-party solutions that could connect EVE Online resource management and fleet management and all the data that you have to sift through to play EVE Online, there were already APIs, third-party APIs in place to kind of sort of export your data to Excel and let you work with it there. Um, But now Microsoft has announced, you know, a Microsoft-developed API that allows you to, you know, have all your EVE Online data export to Excel. And there were literal cheers. Like people were losing their minds. Because of an Excel plugin. <laughs> what was what was the line that I heard? There are very few problems that a spreadsheet cannot solve. Unfortunately, one of those is too many spreadsheets. Yeah, it's true. I mean, don't get me wrong. I use spreadsheets all the time in my day job, and they Same. are incredibly powerful tools. Uh, but just you know, the 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 idea of a bunch of you know gamers losing their minds because now <laughs> there's an official spreadsheet API from Microsoft. It's like all jokes about Eve Online being a playable spreadsheet interrupted by occasional space battles are true. <laughs> my my girls also thought it was yeah, hilarious but, uh, this morning when the Wordle was uh, gamer. Sorry if any of you haven't done your Wordle today. I've been thinking about the the way the the computer RPGs and in consequence console RPGs started and how they developed. And well, one thing that uh, uh, in my opinion, a lot of people will disagree, but I think that 
the early computer RPGs were true RPGs, and the, the ones that were created on console were not. They just did not get it. And I'm going to explain why. Uh, let's go back to the go tabletop on. RPGs. Uh, let's see. You got a manual, and in the manual you have some illustrations, some drawings. Uh, the first ones for the first role-playing games were all black and white. And as they, as we got more modern versions, they started being in color, being color illustrations with a lot more budget. But uh, you have a book where you have the monsters illustrations. And you're actually playing with glass counters or you have the viewing best, you have the miniatures, and sometimes they're painted, sometimes they're not, depends on if you dedicate time to do that. Normally the campaign settings include maps with the stuff, physical maps, and all of that, and, and then Ultima comes out with manual, with illustrations of the monsters, with a cloth map and everything, and the manuals tell you a story, and the, the game that you run on the computer is actually just a sort of a game board, a digital game board, but you have all the elements of an RPG in a physical form. Then come the the console the console RPGs and everything is in the game and uh, there are colorful gr graphics in the game. The manuals hardly have uh, any any substantial stuff. They don't have cloth maps. They don't have any physical elements that uh, create the same RPG feel of the computer RPGs. And in my opinion, they got it all wrong. And they called themselves RPGs and things evolved differently for the Western RPGs and the Eastern ones, the Asian ones. The Asian ones started wrong and continued being wrong. And to date, the they still are, just a very few do it like a real RPG. While the Western RPGs, a lot of them try to keep that either by, by providing you with physical stuff or providing lore, extensive lore inside the game as items like books and stuff that you can read in-game to get information about the in-depth lore which uh, the Asian, the Easterns usually don't have at all. And now I mean, that you were talking about the games with a lot of depth in storytelling, well, yeah, the, the Asian RPGs have a lot of cinematics and, and try to have a more in-depth story, but the world is shallow. You just have cutscenes for the most of it, while the Western RPGs have have a lot of lore that you can check, that you can read, 
And it's not mandatory that you do, but it's all there. I mean, I'll definitely grant that I struggle with a lot of JRPGs precisely because I feel like I'm essentially a spectator. You know, I'm essentially watching a movie with occasional prompts to do something on screen that isn't really going to alter the outcome all that much. Um, And I realize it's an unfair assessment, but, you know, that is sort of my subjective experience of a lot of JRPGs, Final Fantasy included. But I mean, okay, so right away, let's not pick at the what is an RPG scab because uh, we don't have time for that. (laughs) We'll be here all night. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I don't disagree with a lot of your assessments. I guess I'm just sort of at the point now in my life where it's nice to have a box full of feelies. And if I have that option, I'll go for it. Um, But if I don't, I'm okay with that. And, you know, I, I don't mind the in-game con- I don't mind that a lot of what would previously have been a feely in the box has become in-game content, whether that's the map or an extensive codex full of lore or what have you. Um, I, I don't mind that that's been brought into the actual gameplay experience, the, the actual, you know, electronic contents of the game. I'm, I'm fine with that. And of course... I think one of the other reasons that I'm maybe a little bit more sanguine about it now is because I have totally jumped on the digital download bandwagon, Um, partly for practical reasons. I do not have shelf space for even one more book at present, um, let alone one more boxed copy of a game. So if I can buy it digitally, I will. That said, I am in some ways, contemplating maybe going back to doing physical game purchase for the Switch on occasion. Because, and this is sort of a gripe, but I learned... So when you have a Nintendo Switch, when you have multiple Nintendo Switches, you can have your same user profile on multiple Switches. And if you have a Nintendo Switch online, it'll even sync your saves. But only one console can be your primary. And it is only on your primary console that two things are possible. Only on the primary console. So if you are a parent and you have gone through the rigmarole of creating a Nintendo account and underneath that Nintendo account, enabling child accounts for each of your children, as I have done, it is only on the primary console that the child accounts have access to your library of games. And... It is only on the primary console that you can launch games without an immediate DRM. You can launch digital. Yeah. Only on the primary console. Can you launch digitally downloaded games without an immediate DRM check? If you have a second Nintendo switch, which is not your primary console, you can't have those child users on the switch. And when you launch any game, it will do a DRM check. Um, unless of course it's a cartridge based game, at which point you have the cartridge. So you're good to go. Let's play. I found this out on my most recent flight because of course the kids have the, like we have a Nintendo switch for the kids and then I have a switch Lite, which is my travel gaming. And yes, uh, I found out on the airplane that, uh, the only game that I could play was breath of the wild, not a bad game, but the only reason I could play it was because I had the cartridge. Uh, all the downloaded games. Obviously, I'm on an airplane, not paying for Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> check for you, good sir. 
Do they call so, it a cartridge on the Switch? I don't know. Game card. I think the, the I think the access port says game card. Oh well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it looks it looks like an SD card, but I mean, you know, uh, it yeah, if, really if that was card. if that was like the standard, yeah, it's a cartridge. I'd be like, oh, that's cool. So, well, it's, just, it's a Nintendo, so I just automatically go with cartridge because what else? Because of course you would. Yeah. What else would I call it? Come on. <laughs> e- even that one that took optical media cartridge. <laughs> 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 Oh yeah, throw in a throw in a throw cartridge in the game, Cam. Yeah, the 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 Wii doesn't take this; it takes cartridges. Um, but you know, so I mean, things like that are starting to push me back a little bit more towards physical. But you know, um, whether it's we're talking about Steam or the App Store or Origin or whatever else, I've been on the digital downloads bandwagon for quite a while now. I don't see that stopping anytime soon, and certainly the especially on PC, the PC retail market is almost entirely digital now, almost entirely digital downloads now, uh, over 90%. Yeah, so, I went to a GameStop recently and I didn't even see like the little cards that you, that they have had in certain places of buying this yep. game and it's a digital, no, not even that. And I will say though, that like, I, th- you know, and this is not a controversial opinion. Um, <clears throat> GOG has done, PC game distribution the best, mainly because you can simply download a backup EXE of the game generally and and just have that sit on your hard drive. So in yeah. the event or or put it back it up, put it on CDs, put it on whatever you want. And then if you if you want to install that at a later time, you can do that. Definitely. Um and yeah, I mean I'm right with you. I mean obviously you need a you need a pretty damn large hard drive to back up my game library on GOG, but that's a separate discussion. Um, <laughs> terabytes on terabytes. Right. Uh, but you're right. It is nice that, you know, you do have that ability to essentially offline all that content just in case GOG ever folds, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas with Steam, you'd probably be out of luck. Uh, I mean, oh. I guess you could log into all the games that you wanted to keep. Um and you'd be good for about two weeks, but eventually the DRM times out, and then it would fail in the next DRM check. So, topic but yeah, I mean, it's um, no. Go on, go on, Drax. Uh, well, saying back to topic, you were talking about the the maps and extra content and lore. And yeah, and like I don't mind that being in the game. It's nice when it's there, though. And at the end of the day, if I got to get on an airplane. Mm, I'd rather have the map in the game than having to, you know, rifle through my backpack to find my cloth map. <laughs> but Kenneth, if if the avatar, if you really were in Britannia, you would have to rifle through your backpack. You're right. If I and wanted if I to do that, camp. I'd be playing Ultima Seven rather than a different Ultima game. <laughs> no, if I yeah, wanted so to rifle the... through my backpack for something that was essential to my being where I was, I would be on Scout Camp. That's so. That's our. So that's the solution. <laughs> Get Ultima Seven on your phone. Play it on your phone. You and assume then keep it's your not already map. there. Keep I your cloth map in your point. backpack. Yeah. Well, okay. Except that that doesn't work because I have the Ultima Seven map memorized. <laughs> Actually, I have all Speaking of cloth maps, yeah. uh, I was just remembering that I I found the Shroud of the Avatar on sale on Amazon, and 
I ordered it just to get the globe map and the feelies. I did that um, too. Yeah, and I already have it. I, uh, I have it in my hands. And I was wondering who was it that never got his physical copy and was a backer? He did eventually get it. He got it. Demord. Yay. He did eventually get it. I think I took the countdown off the codex. You think? Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. 98% sure. Do-do-do-do-do. Okay, now I'm 100% <laughs> sure. Not <laughs> <laughs> checking on the fly. Well, uh, yeah, no, I, because I had put the counter up on there for the longest time. And, uh, and yeah, he, cause, and, and I mean, it was a combination of things that had led to him not getting it, but yeah, it was, it was a long darn time before he got his, but he did eventually get it. Uh, I remember there was some discussion of that on the, um, discord. And so, yeah, that was, and the minute he confirmed it, I like logged into the codex and, um, you know, just uh, and took the the thing down, but not until he'd gotten a screenshot, just to you know make it official. <laughs> but uh, although apparently, if you still want to get blocked on Twitter by Catnip Games, um, just start going after them about the book that all of us were supposed to get. What was it? The Sword of Nidris? Blade of the uh, Blade of the Avatar, I think. Blade or, of the Avatar. Yeah. So, but we've talked about that in a previous episode of the podcast. I think that was a two-parter, the book betrayer or something to that effect. That seems like a topic that would make a two-parter. Yeah, it was, it was a a grand old bitch session, which, uh, it's a pity Harmony Dragon's not here. I, uh, totally have to release his bitching on Square Enix as a, uh, (laughs) but I actually, I guess this is as good a time as any to figure it out because like, for the longest time, the way I was working the Patreon side of things was like, if there was any cut content from the start or the end of the episode, I would release that on Patreon as its own separate audio stream. But who has the time to edit that, really? So now what I'm doing, is, starting from last episode and going forward from here, anybody who's listening, um, the way it works now is if there is any cut content, I'll leave it more or less in place in the time stream, um, but it'll only appear on the Patreon track. And then the publicly released track, I'll just mute those sections. So that's how that's going to work. Because then I still release all the extra audio and I only have to edit once. Ah. (laughs) I grab Thar's hammer. What a savings. If you want to join the Ultima Dragons, you can do so at udic.org, where you can choose your very own dragon name. You can also find the Ultima Dragons on Facebook. We have a Facebook group there. And you can follow at Ultima Dragons on Twitter or join them on Discord. And if you're feeling really old school, you can even fire up a Telnet client and check out the Wearmount. Hit up the show notes for links to all of these. If you want to participate more directly in the podcast, you can send us an email. Or if you're feeling a little bit braver, leave us a voice message in one of three places, the podcast website, our Facebook page, or on anchor.fm. And you're also welcome to join us on our Discord server to chat with us to lurk, or even contribute to podcast recordings when they happen. And again, links in the show notes. If you'd like to support Spam 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 Humbug, you can do so at patreon.com slash ultimacodex, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to episodes the day before they go live to the general public. You'll also get access to behind-the-scenes audio when we have some to share, and possibly other interesting content. 
but we also welcome your moral support. You can like the Ultima series on Facebook, follow at Ultima Codex on Twitter, or leave the podcast a review on iTunes. And you're also welcome to share our episodes with your friends and social media circles. Spam 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 Humbug is a production of the Ultima Codex. You can find show notes online at spamspamspamhumbug.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be virtuous. Be virtuous.